Gloria a Dios, gloria a Dios, gloria a Dios para siempre. Chile para Cristo. Amén, aleluya. That's what it's like to be in the Pentecostal church in Chile. And, uh, you know, I th it's so glorious to be at St. All Saints, All Saints, <laughs> so many places. You know, we've, we've just enjoyed that. But yesterday I was telling Paul, just driving in. I'm still driving. Last time I was here, I had three infractions for, uh, you know, do you remember that? It was amazing. Grace, the police let me off. That's amazing. I had to do a delinquent driver's course. I got off the other one. So I'm like, wonderful. This is God. You know what I mean? So I've come back free. So I'm still driving. I was driving in with Hillary. And just as we came in, I tell you, the sun broke out over your church. And we sensed the cloud, the presence of God here. And it's wonderful as we follow you. We pray for you regularly. You're on our prayer list every week. We're praying for you because we know how strategic this church is. And the ministry of Paul and Becky, well, you know, I don't have to go on. and I don't want to embarrass them. But, you know, they're shaking the world. So Satan hates them, so we pray for them. So we're going to have a greater victory than Satan would try and bring defeat. Do you, do you get what I mean? We're going to turn everything around. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings heaven where there was hell. And so today is Pentecost. And sensing the cloud upon this church, I'll say that at the end we will have a moment when we will. We can't just speak about Pentecost, we have to live it as we have been living it just now, worshiping. But I just sense that this church ought to declare together with her pastors this divine purpose, Britain for Christ. So I don't want to just entertain us this morning, and I don't want to do this as a kind of a gimmick, but I do feel that we could, you know, breaking through any, whatever's left of British Reserve, because in this church there's not much of that. I saw the Liverpool Tottenham match the other day, and no, 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 don't tell me that the British are all reserved, because they were not at the Bible match. But in church, I'm saying, I know you're tensing up a little bit, but look, <laughs> why don't we do it? But as a declaration, Satan hates what we're going to do now. We're going to declare something. We're going to get to feet and say, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever. And then we're going to shout, Britain for Christ. Hallelujah. Okay? Uh, that's, how, that's how we're going to declare today and, and begin to live. Because what we're doing is saying, Holy Spirit, will you come upon us and, and, and use us for this glory? This is what we're here for. We don't, we're going to go to heaven. You can just pull a leave and we don't go off to heaven. But we're not. We're here. Why? Because he wants us to win our nation for Christ. And we're very aware of all the pressures that you're facing. Hey, but that's not any excuse for not praying and declaring and shouting. So shall we stand to our feet? I'll lead you. Um, this is not Pentecostalism. This is now Anglicanism in Britain. Let's really get the devil worried. Because if the Anglicans start doing this, they're going to have to press all the alarm buttons and hell. It's just too much. All right? We shout three times, glory to God. And then we say, Britain for Christ. Amen. Alleluia.
Uh, glory to God forever. Britain for Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. All right? Uh, are we ready? Brothers, let's declare glory to God and win our nation for Christ. Glory to God! Glory to God! Glory to God! Forever! Britain for Christ! Amen! Hallelujah! Woo! 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 It didn't do you any harm, but it did hell problem. Give them problems. Can you just sit down now? <laughs> I would just say we could incorporate this kind of thing. Can you imagine this happening at every Anglican church in Britain every day, every Sunday, or whenever? Well, dear friends, it is Pentecost. And as I say, we are not just thinking about Pentecost on the liturgical Sunday. We are seeking to make what is, ever was designed to be the life of church a reality among us. At one time it was thought that Luke had written Acts as a kind of a narrative, but we now know latest studies clearly have proven that Luke intended Acts of the Apostles as his gospel to be a theological and missiological treatise. This is what the church should be like. This is what the church should always be like down the ages. This is what the Holy Spirit makes church to be. Hallelujah. It is the feast of the Holy Spirit with which Acts begins. Pentecost. Well, there were many people in Jerusalem because it's a Jewish feast. That day they put two loaves in the temple, whereas 50 days before they'd only waved a sheaf at Passover because this was now the celebration of harvest. And of course it becomes a Christian festival because 50 days before there'd been the resurrection, the cross and the resurrection. And now the launching of the church in the promised power of the Father. Jesus had said, you know, John baptizes you in water, but before many days you will be baptized, immersed, launched, born again, sent off in my power by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wow, what a concept. And this is what happened on that day. Well, this controversy we were talking about with Paul, I think he's in agreement with me. I think it happened in the temple. I think it happened in the temple. Why? Because you know what time it was, don't you? Can anyone tell me what time it was that happened, Pentecost? They thought they were drunk. Peter said they can't be drunk because it is... Nine o'clock. And what time is that? That's the time of the early sacrifice. Now, it would make sense. They probably came down from the upper room. I'm not going to be dogmatic. It doesn't really matter. But nevertheless, it does make sense if they were there, sitting in a part in the outer court, men and women all together, and, and suddenly there's this rushing wind. God coming to his temple, creating the new temple, which is the church. And here before me, I see the temple of God. God dwelling in us. Oh, my brothers, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Every day 
we Christians live these three experiences. The cross, I know in my perfume factory every day I kneel down before the cross. First thing this morning in, in, in Peter and Mary, Mary's living room, the, the cross. And then the resurrection, Lord. I'm up, I'm, I'm up, Lord, I, I'm high, I'm, I'm, I'm above everything Satan can put. He's under my feet, hallelujah, I have full victory. But then, Pentecost, fill me, Lord, come with glory, precious Holy Spirit, and make me everything you want me to be. There's a good little book I recommend called Growing in Circles, and it's a great time saying it. Yeah, and uh, it's been very useful. I've preached it all over the place. I've taken a lot of sermons out of that one. And basically, it says how we grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Well, it's only in the Holy Spirit and reflecting on the living Word of God that we can grow, 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 grow as church. And what I'm sensing today as I share with this church with a cloud upon it that you are on a growth spiral. Friends, you are growing and you are going. The things you're talking about here are so exciting. You're moving into your neighborhood. And yes, it's words of knowledge and praying for people. But listen, suddenly, you know, that, that lonely, broken, deconstructed culture that is modern Britain, unrecognizable. When we were used to coming here in the, in the 60s, 70s, it's just, just unrecognizable. That culture is hurting so much. And now the Holy Spirit has you going out in love and in power and in boldness. So Pentecost will be an increasing reality. The cross, the resurrection, Pentecost. Every day in our lives and in the life of the church. The fullness some people object that we're, you know, we're realizing eschatology too quick. You, 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 charismatic Pentecostal, new, new age, new, new, what is it, new wine people, new wine people. You, you, you realize eschatology. That's not until heaven that you can talk like that. I do not agree. What the Holy Spirit does is, as we were singing so beautifully today, brings heaven down here. Hallelujah. So that's why sometimes when we're in our worship service, it's so like what was going on this morning. The presence of the Holy Spirit comes with great, great power. And suddenly people are healed and people are set free and a demon shrieks. And you know, there's a bit of a disorderly moment, but I say, what does this remind me of? And I've got to go back to my New Testament. That's what I see what was happening. The Holy Spirit brings heaven down and kicks hell out. And it's a messy process sometimes. And it takes people like, you know, Paul and the team to sort of sort out how church moves on through all this mess. Hallelujah! This is what happened in that first Pentecost. Peter stood up with tremendous boldness. There were only 120, but soon there were 3,000 more and 5,000 more, and the whole of Jerusalem was shaken, and then it went through Samaria, Judea, Samaria, and out to the uttermost parts of the earth from where we come. And we give testimony that he is also working there, right? So, let me just show you. Should that, yeah, there it is. That is a newspaper from 1910 in Chile. 
I'm doing doctoral studies here. That's why I'm here every year now, turning up the whole time. Uh, it's like we were here yesterday, you know. And uh, we are studying the beginnings of that Pentecostal movement in Chile. Azusa Street, 1906. There'd been some flutterings of something going on in India and also in Korea. But then in 1909, where Chile, my Chile, my country, in Valparaíso, there'd been a group like you who'd been hungering and thirsting, one want more, and they'd been praying. They were a simple Methodist group, and the pastor had little theological training, but he was hungry for God. He had a heart that wanted more and more, and he was alone with God a great deal. And they were beginning to do vigils and things. Now, you don't have to copy them, because we're just going to do what the Holy Spirit tells us. But basically, as we hunger and thirst for him, what did Jesus say? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Sometimes we just sort of long for, come to him, but we don't drink. This is telling an illustration I read this morning somewhere that this ship was out on the ocean and they were desperate because there was no wind and the water had gone. And they were slake dying of thirst and they were more and more anxious that they would truly die out here. And then suddenly they saw another boat coming. It wasn't a sailboat, it was a motor. So it was coming by and they started waving and yelling, help, help, save us, we need water. And the guys just navigated by. Somebody just shouted, Put down your buckets. No, but help, water. Put down your buckets. They couldn't believe they'd let them alone to die. But one sailor let down a bucket. And he pulled up sweet drinking water. Why? They didn't know where they were. They were on the great estuary of the Amazon. It's such a huge river, the Amazon, that it spews for hundreds of miles its sweet water. And the church is like that. We can just not know what's available to us, what we have in the power of God. And that is, if you think about it, quite consequent with what we see in church history and even in the scriptures. You can blaspheme the spirit, you can you can quench the spirit, grieve the spirit, you can lie to the spirit, you know, you can resist the spirit. Yeah, that's, that's a book, my brother. That's a book. That's a book. Yeah. The church can do things that drives him away. I had a guy come back in 1960-something. I don't know, he had great theological training. He'd come from Australia somewhere. And uh, in a little church in Quilpoe, suddenly... Boom! Like in Santiago, the, I'm getting to the end of the story. Don't worry, it's there. It suddenly burst and he rushed in and said, put this out. This is not of God. This is of the devil. And he quenched a revival. Well, 
Years later, he came to me and he said, I'm so sorry. I've repented so much. God showed me how wrong I was. And now God has given me a great healing ministry. Praise God that we can revert the wrongs we have committed against the Holy Spirit in church history. And I think the difference between one church and another is that one does these five and the other says, welcome Holy Spirit. Oh, make me the person you want me to be. If there's any sin in me, as the Methodists say, just Burn it out of me, Lord. I don't want to offend you at all. Instead of quenching, Holy Spirit, blow. Do what you like. We'll be here. We'll obey your word on these things. Instead of resisting the spirits, resisting the word of God, we say, speak, speak. And whatever you say, we will do. So that we, instead of reject, rejecting, resist, we can actually welcome more and more and more and more and have a spiral of growth. Well, that was what they were doing there in Valparaiso. And as they... And as they began over a two-year period to study the book of Acts, suddenly things began to, there was a quickening, a change in the atmosphere. That's what they say. That's what he says in his book. And then on the 1st of January, 1909, when they had a normal prayer meeting, something strange happened. Everybody prayed at once. What's, what's this? this? is strange, different. And then it wasn't until June, this, this, this month, that suddenly in one service, there was a Pentecostal outpouring, just like in Acts. And they were speaking in tongues, and they'd never seen or heard of tongues. They'd had, yeah, some reference to it from Azusa, but they didn't know what was going on. And the whole bursting revival came to them that has spread through Chile where they shout Gloria a Dios and Chile para Cristo and 20% of Chile has been born again a raving Pentecostals. How did that happen? How do we get there is what interests me. That picture actually taken in the newspaper was of a hand pump fire engine. If you look carefully you can see it. Because people who had surrounded that church to mock it and to laugh at the people that were, you know, jumping and dancing and singing and joyful under the power of God, they would come to the windows, but then suddenly everyone was shouting, fuego, fire, 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 and they saw fire, and they ran out and got the fire engine, and this is in the newspaper here, 1910, you know. So, do you know what somebody told me today, Paul, that as they were coming here, there was a fire engine parked outside your church. So could this be a sign of things to come? And the devil getting ready, getting ready to turn out all the fires. But no. If we go in and out of that perfume factory that I've referred to in the past, spending hours to get with the Holy Spirit, His presence, you know what will happen? Is that He will take us into all the fullness that is for us today. Hallelujah. And we will be the anointed church of God that destroys the work of Satan in the land through our intercession and our praying and our evangelism. Because as the word of God is preached out there, something happens in the heavenly places. The sword of the Spirit goes out doing battle with demonic powers. And you can destroy them. When I was in the presidential palace, we'd have such times of intercession destroying the works of darkness. 
and we would cry, Lord, do something tremendous. Lord, I want to preach to the world, you know. Do something. Suddenly the president phoned us and said, can we have a prayer meeting? 33 minors are lost. I said, that's weird. Never heard the president call for any prayer meeting, but now for the 33 minors, right, we did it, and president... First lady, the whole cabinet would commandeered to be there. Oh, we did our thing. We preached and we prayed. And we began a prayer intercession movement that many people would come to all day to the palace for the 33 minors. You know the rest of the story because we brought one here, you remember. But on the day, on the day, when they were coming out, that blessed day, it was like revival all over Chile, all over the world. They were coming out, they were coming out, they were coming out. It was just unbelievable. Everybody was crying. They found the only guy who spoke English there, the chaplain's pre president. The oh, they put him there. And CNN, BBC, they fired at me all kinds of questions. And I suddenly realized this is the answer to my prayers. I preach to the world. <laughs> God hears the little prayers we make in private. So let's make many. Let's pray urgently. Let's cry there in that place. This is what the Holy Spirit has been teaching so many people. I may just got to leave this aside a little bit because I can see, you know, I might have to try to give the strategy. We got about 1230. Is that all right? We're okay. I mean, just free. Uh, I'll see what I can do. Don't worry. I'm quite used to this situation here in England, but we don't want to leave aside what is central to all of us. We, we want to experience God's power regularly. In Latin America, many of the people that have been Pentecostals for years, even they got hungrier for more. And the Holy Spirit's led them into this place where suddenly they've been realizing they've been looking for experiences in the Spirit. And God spoke to one of my dear friends there saying, don't bring numbers to my church, bring my presence. And so he said, what does that mean? He's a Pentecostal, he spoke in tongues, all the way. It means there's more in my presence. So he began to seek God, and bit by bit, bit by bit, suddenly things just began to happen. He had a church of 70. If you visit them in Colombia today, there are 50,000 of them there. Yes, what had happened? He said, I, I just obeyed the Spirit step by step. Every strategy he gave me, I just did it. And then I didn't do anything he didn't tell me. And I learned what? I learned to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. A relationship with the Holy Spirit. But, but, but we're having, doesn't he give us a relationship with the Father and the Son? Yes. Yes. There's none like the Holy Spirit to give us a relationship with Dad and with our Savior. But there's something been missing that he is restoring through the many Pentecostalisms of last century that in many he's put many people off. But I mean, these were wild guys. They would get a gift of tongues and a prophet would say that, that is Japanese. And so they, they just wouldn't consult. They'd just go off in their simplicity to Japan. And there they'd babble away in their tongue and find that nobody understood them. 
They were willing for that sort of thing. But look what God did with many of these people. You can read about it in Spreading Flame by Alan Anderson, extraordinary stories. There were there people who were missionaries, mission partners who did know Japanese. And when these tongues babblers arrived, they said, what's going on? What's this? Oh, they said, this is Pentecost, this is fire. Oh, can we have it? Yeah, wham. And they received also tremendous baptisms of the Spirit, but they knew Japanese. And that's how all over the world, the Pentecostal church, God did something so powerful with people who just depended on the Holy Spirit. Simple people. So I'm saying, what is God going to do with all of us in this day that he's putting such a hunger in our hearts, such a willingness to sacrifice and do anything that God says that we must do? Okay, well, how do we get there? Just a little bit of info so that we can comply. Uh, Back there, there is prayer letters and I'm not sure the first service took most of them, I'm afraid. But uh, we're with CMS, as you see there. We are, uh, have this uh, prayer letter you can get hold of. And uh, yeah, we're doing a book launch. Again, I think most of them have gone. Praise God, this book was in Spanish. It has the story of those four years in Piñera's Palace and the miners and all that. You have to rush to get the last ones, I think. But if you don't get them, you can get them off Amazon print and deliver and demand, so you're okay. But listen, if you want it, I'll sign it and I'll be there. Okay, that's it. That's us, right? Assistant Bishop Santiago with Hillary. She's doing her own research in family and she's reading all our diaries and all the old missionary diaries. I tell you, she's going to an honorary PhD long before I get mine and we hope to write a book from that too called Family Joy. So much, so much to be done in the kingdom of God. That's the whole family. Do you remember them all? Jan and Ada. At the end there, are now applying to CMS. So those of you that have been praying for us, pray for them to be great if they joined the club. And they were also probably going to stay working for mission in Britain. We don't know. But uh, how this next generation moves on and uh, loving each other. Marriage today, so important to enjoy your marriages, everybody. If uh, you are a wife and your husband hasn't taken you out for some time, could you please give him a thud in his, uh, in his ribs? No, you better not, because everybody will see. But they say, listen, guys, enjoy your marriages, right? And this is Hillary. She used to take baby Jan in a pram around here, you know, but now he's grown up a little bit. Just a sort of family bits and pieces. And the five grandchildren at grandfather's uh, story time. Okay? We work here. Chile. It's a modern society. Like you. We have to be careful not to offend people with blunt Bible bashing. Love people. When I heard that 40% of trans people try to commit suicide, I yelled at my church, bring all the trans here. Love them. We face the same challenges you, 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 you face. Our indigenous people finding their identity today, what do they do? In this Spanish monolithic Catholic society now, Pentecostals have broken through, and now Anglicans are also breaking through in many ways, touching society at a thought level, perhaps writing newspaper articles, writing books, going to universities. Well, we have the challenge, as you have, to win our culture back to Christ. I love what Gibbons said once. 
The early Christians overturned the Roman Empire because they thought better, loved better, and died better than everybody else. He was an atheist, but he was struck. And I, it, it'll take that kind, of, that kind of commitment, I think, under the anointing of God. In November, the Archbishop of Canterbury came and made us the 40th province of the Anglican Communion. And what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> Except that we're all coming to Lambeth. Will you pray? Because Lambeth is a, is a, com is a problem right now. Uh, Gafcon, Lambeth, those of you that are up on this whole thing, please pray. We want to be a... We Chileans are at the center of a debate because in Gafcon, Jerusalem, we stood up and said, look, we're with Gafcon. We feel we should go to Lambeth. All of us should go. And we should insist on conservative biblical values. Wow, I don't know what's going to happen. We're probably creating a bigger mess than it was before. But uh, pray for Lambeth 2020. And that's our church, La Trinidad. I say it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's well, you know, three services, uh, about 800 people go through it on a Sunday. Um, it's a hospital. Uh, people arrive there, like um, um, Martial, who knocked on my door at 2 in the morning, drug, cocaine, <sighs> disaster, received Christ. Uh, his marriage was a disaster. But they came back to the Lord. They lived our marriage encounters. Just a typical case. Uh, new people, never been to church, you know, for, for, before coming to the Lord. And then what? You know, well, then we've got to turn it into a, a, a school. Because we've got to teach them all the things that Jesus taught his disciples. We've got to teach them the scriptures. They've got no idea of the whole counsel of God. So it becomes a school. Uh, but then, like you are doing here with the Genesis, it's very exciting. You know, get really trained up. But that's not enough because we have just new people. We don't have theological seminaries. We didn't. We do have now. It's just coming there. But we turn it into, at the local church, a military academy. Because we have to train people to go out and plant churches and be in charge of new ministries, like you guys are doing here. So similar. It's so exciting that that same Holy Spirit has been moving us in the same directions that we find you guys doing here. Uh, the difference is that we have no resources. We have to train everybody as they come in. And so let me tell you that it's exciting. The Holy Spirit does that. Hospital heals and blesses them. Uh, school teaches them and changes the whole way of thinking. Military academy anoints them and sends them out into the world to plant new churches and do mission. There is one who's done mission now in India from our church. She goes out and she is in some place in India. I can always forget somewhere like, like, oh, I won't say something I just don't know. And there she is doing this extraordinary work. Crowds come to her for healing. She's a Chilean. She looks like an Indian person, doesn't she? But there she is, doing that. Coming from our church, nine missionaries sent. You might say, well, why then are we supporting you, Alf, if you have been... Uh, well, because that's mission today. Mission always. Uh, we'll send people to England, to Ireland, and uh, India. And you keep sending more to South America. This is now global. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what happens on a Sunday. One couple has come to Christ from India. India, who's in our church, uh, Rajesh and Sahina, uh, they told us their testimony. They had to get rid of hundreds of gods they had, and in particular household gods. Uh, and to this day, they pass the place that was, and they, you know, they get whacked from that old god. But it doesn't matter. They've got Jesus Christ in their hearts now, and they have the victory. In church, they hold up 
their cell phone. And that beams right there to India, where their family is. Why? Because they went back to India and gave testimony. At first they were very attacked, but bit by bit the family began to open up to Christ. So they hold up their phone. I'm preaching in Spanish that they don't understand in India. It doesn't matter. There's a congregation listening. And then when the worship comes and the presence of God, I say it again, the presence of God falls upon us by the Holy Spirit, who is the agent who brings God's kingdom here. You know, it happens out in India. And they're healed out there. Don't ask me how this works. Time zones or things. But they're touched and healed out there. So every Sunday, there they are, holding up this phone to a culture that doesn't understand. But the presence of God himself, the Holy Spirit himself. Sometimes I'll address them. Brothers in India, you understand me now in English. Be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. And be delivered of your demons. Amen. And that's all they get. But that's enough. Hallelujah. The power of technology, where are we going? So much could happen. There are more people alive on earth today than have been in all centuries put together past. So if this generation knew a great Holy Ghost revival, hey, we could populate heaven with the majority of the human race. Oh, we need to take seriously the days we're living in. So, how do we get there? How do we get there? Just simply a few little thoughts, and then I'm going to close. As we've been seeking God just like you, as we continue to seek God, we have realized that on the day of Pentecost is the great day to say it. He is calling us to seek him as a person. There's a difference in knowing him as a force or as one who gives us experience experiences to one who's a person he's a gentle loving third person of the trinity and Jesus did he not say I'm going guys and it's better for you that I go because I'm going to leave you another one hallelujah in the Greek another one just like me which must mean we can relate to him and ask him questions and get answers yeah, I think last time I told you we, 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 we relate to Google a lot. Anyone you want Google, Google it, Google it, Google it. And I think I told you, I don't remember last time, but we have a, there was a huge fat sheep in the middle of a field. I felt really sorry for this sheep because it was set apart to make it thin. And I was eating a banana. I thought no one would see me, and I just slipped the sheep the banana skin. <laughs> gobbled it up. Hillary, unbeknownst to me, saw me. And she said, what are you doing? You're going to kill the dog. No, you kill you get a banana. Ah, I felt sorry for it. My millennial son, who uses Google, Googled it. Is it bad to give sheep banana skins? And the answer came back. The best thing a sheep can eat is a banana skin. Hallelujah. I was off the hook. But listen, we ask Google so many things. Why don't we ask God all? Well, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. You'll find again and again, right through Acts, right through Scriptures, David won his battles asking 
Ask him questions. Let's start there. And then delighting in him, being with him, spending hours with him. The more we spend with him, the more we want to be with him. Push other things out. Give him central place. The person, the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit is the whole Godhead. Jesus said, he will dwell in you and he will bring the Father and the Son to dwell in you as well. Well, Wait a minute, this is just so mind-blowing. The more we understand these things and live them out, you know, the more streams of people will be waiting to get into church. The long lines of people want to know, hey, how do you get this? How do you get there? And we'll tell them, we've been doing it. We've been sharing them on the streets. Now your atrium open for people to pray. I don't know what's going to happen suddenly, you know. This means you'll be flooded out with people everywhere looking for prayer. You're having lots more staff here, you know. All mobilized, everybody here. You're all on duty on Saturday. They're all coming to the atrium. Paul, absolutely desperate. Uh, Becky already, already, everybody doing it. Uh, Praying for people, praying for people. That's what it will look like. Hallelujah. And it's good to get that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, get, let's say, Lord, we want this. It's good to get these kind of visions and pray that that's what happened with Hoover and crowd, the people who began to seek God. So, but as we treat him as a person, we see in La Trinidad that he does the work of rebirth, like this girl who came recently all cut to pieces. They're hurting so much inside. They cut themselves and not to hurt so much and have more pain now than the pain they're suffering. But praise God, she heard about Jesus. She received the Lord, was totally healed, brought her family bit by bit. They said, no one's been able to do this. No psychiatrist, nobody. Well, Jesus can do it. Again, healing, central to the revivals in the Pentecostal world, central around the world today. Healing, healing, healing. Deliverance. Was I telling the church this morning, someone knocked on our door, pastor, pastor, please come. There's a tremendous problem uh, because there are two guys out there and they had their fingers stuck like this. They confessed to me they'd been doing spiritism and that they couldn't get their fingers unstuck. They were from the world. They went up from church, but they came to the only place that they knew they could get an answer. The church, the anointed church of God. That's going to happen more and more, let me tell you, as it did in the early church. In Ephesus, Paul began a kind of a little Bible college there at midday, and soon there were so many people that the whole of Ephesus was shaken. These guys arrived. I made them receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and then renounce the demon. Pow! Oh, they were freed. Hallelujah. Because only church can do this. Again, The Holy Spirit anoints the church to do what uh, Jesus did. These verses, of course, uh, refreshment, rebirth, the rewords speak of what the Holy Spirit continues to do again and again. And we can always want more and seek more and receive more and have this upward spiral in the Spirit of God. Those are people being baptized in, a, in pools out there because not, people are just not baptized these days. So they come and we posh them under and they get refreshing times upon them. And then, as Jesus said, using this verse in Luke 4, taking... Isaiah's messianic prophecy about uh, how the Spirit of God would be there. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Knows him personally. And then what's he going to do through me? He's going to 
proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I believe the Holy Spirit would bring heaven down so much that people say, wow, it looks like our eschatology has been fully realized. Well, it'll never be quite until we get to heaven, but we can have so much more of heaven down here. And the world out there is longing for heaven. i got to go finishing. As this happens, forgiveness, liberation, healing just takes place. It just happens. I remember the nights when we just began to be a new anointing of the Spirit is so powerful. We were doing a kind of a vigil that night. And a woman came forward and God said, pray for her. She had a tumor. She said, don't tell my family. Uh, and I felt the Lord say, blow. I said, I can't do that, Lord. That's really unhygienic. Blow. I felt the Holy Spirit saying, if you don't want to obey me, don't want to see miracles, then don't obey me. But if you want to see miracles, you must obey me. Wham! She fell to the ground, and that began a series of ministries that were new, refreshing, restoring things that we hadn't seen. Next day, she went to the church, the, went to the hospital. <laughs> hospital. The doctor was really angry because they thought they'd muddled up the x-rays. She had been totally... The period disappeared, vanished. These miracles are taking place when the presence of God is there. Forgiveness, healing, restoration, mums and daughters who hated each other, learning to love each other. Oh, there's no end to the miracles when heaven comes down by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he will guide us. He will guide us in practical ways. Oh, we will be guided by the practical Holy Spirit. How did the early church get there? How did they overturn the Roman Empire? How are we to get there? Only be being guided by the Holy Spirit. So I said he's turned us into, into hospital, school, and military academy. Here's an example something that you've given us. Alpha. We were at the Alpha Conference or the Holy Trinity Leadership Conference recently. 7,000 people from all over the world. Wow! You're exporting something terrific here. And you and new wine and all the things that you're doing, man, wow, we're benefiting from all that over there too. Those are the latest alpha bunch in our marriage alpha. We run marriage alpha and the other alpha, but we do it after marriage encounters. These guys wander into marriage encounter, you know, we don't know what they're hitting, being hit, and they wallop with the Lord. They come to Christ, then they go off onto marriage alpha, and they're loving that, and then they get to the other alpha. We have to process people. They're so mixed up and so muddled up, but we don't ask them, would you like to? We just put them on the list, that's all. And you know, they, they love it. They love it. Here you're too polite with people. You know, to put them on the list. They love it. Process them. Push them through. They need someone to do that for them, right? Now listen, if only if one, just 16 couples were to go the whole way, that's 16 new families in church. You do that three, four times a year. And they bring more people and new people bring new people and doctors bring doctors and judges bring judges and, and you know, we even had, I've told you before, I think, you know, mafia bosses converted. And who do they bring on to the next? They bring more mafia bosses. I mean, the church is just really a dangerous place now. 
when the Holy Spirit takes over. Well, he will bring revival and my, my definition of revival is now everything that happened in the Acts of the Apostles. I'm pretty certain that's what Luke intended us to understand. And he will do that as we pray and make us those who bring much fruit. When he said this, he said, you know, if you listen to me and obey me and pray and are with me, you will bear much fruit. The things I did and even greater things, you will do. He modeled it. He told the church to do it. In Acts, we have it laid out for us. Now we're in, as Hilary always says, in Acts 29, we're in that other chapter. Hallelujah. And that's you and me. I feel we're just going to be still a while because it's Pentecost. And here is the temple. And he is a renewing, reviving, refreshing Holy Spirit. Simply going to ask him, well, you ask him. You ask him. Ask and you will receive. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? I've got no idea. You've probably been hurt badly by church. You've been hurt. You've been hurt by people who've said things to you and all kinds of charismania may have upset you in the past. But I'm not talking, I'm talking about him, the Holy Spirit, who is yours. Let him come and heal now. So will you pray this prayer with me in your hearts? Lord Jesus, baptizer in the Holy Spirit, baptize us again. Refresh us again. Pour out upon me, upon my family, upon my church, your precious Holy Spirit. I welcome you. I want to learn to walk in relationship to you and honor you, Holy Spirit. Come now and fill me afresh with your love and power. Hallelujah.